Mark, I'll give you a cue here. MMM Agency 100 Studio Sessions. Live World. Okay, we're rolling. Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited for you to plug into this episode of A100 Studio Sessions, a new podcast series which gives members of the MMM Agency 100 list an opportunity to riff on what sets them apart. In this episode, we're focusing on the agency Live World, a digital agency specializing in social media and its approach to getting creative while remaining compliant. I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Friedman, founder and CEO. Peter, welcome to MMM Studio Sessions. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. Great. It's nice to have you. So, I like when you visit the Live World website, you see two buttons. One says healthcare and the other one says everything else. Yeah. So that speaks to the unique nature of this industry, which is, uh, as we know, highly regulated. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Live World's approach to staying within the bounds of MLR while creating compelling, attention-grabbing content that influences behaviors positively in the social media realm. And I know that's uh, where your expertise lies, amongst many other things, which we'll get into, Peter. But let's just first take a step back here. As social media has been growing in importance in pharma marketing campaigns. How does pharma go about driving engagement? Well, the first thing is is to realize that the patients and the doctors have moved to social media. So you have to start with understanding that. Second, you have to recognize that the healthcare market, which is a pretty transformative market, maybe slowly moving, but transformative, now is one where pharma companies have to start owning the patient healthcare journey and the doctor healthcare journey. And what that experience is, what the emotional experience is. And today, in most pharma marketing, it's been like, here's my product and here's the data that goes with it, particularly with doctors, but also with patients. And we get that. And one of the reasons for that is it's sort of conservative because it's regulated and there's all this compliance. It's like, well, we can't do all this other stuff because we'll be out of compliance. But the customers, the patients and the doctors are pulling it over. And you have to own that experience. You have to be out of the box creative. You have to engage and have comments and conversations, but you can do this while being compliant. That's where we come in. Mm -hmm. And then you have to say, okay, I got to really research this. I got to have data. I've got to know the emotional experience and then move into that. Not with, you think this would be different today, but it isn't a traditional broadcast. Your ads just happens to be in social channels but actually create experiences for people and be social, which is comments and conversations. That's how you have to do it. Comments and conversations. Okay. Uh, that's risky business where pharma is concerned. Out of the box creative, comments and conversations while being compliant. Okay. So let's get into it. What are some examples of how you better reflect, you know, from the perspective of the patient journey um, in your creative? Well, here's an example. We're not allowed to say, you know, which it is, but here's like a medication for specialty disease condition. We're pretty big on, we do non-specialty, but we do a lot of specialty ones. This is one, it's only a few thousand customers, but it's expensive and you, you know, it's important society-wise and economics. And it's needles. People have to inject this stuff and they have to be on a regimen and a schedule and the schedule itself, they gotta go to the doctor, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. It mucks up their lives. Everything has to be around it. They, you know, the kids, everything in their life has to be wrapped around the schedule for these injections. And the injections are painful. 
and you get bruises and you're sore and it debilitates you. So here comes a company and they have an oral version of it, which is basically a huge monumental game changer. Now, traditionally, people would go, and here's my thing, and you could take it orally. And now it's all noisy and everybody knows and the doctors have the inertia and the patients aren't sure. So what we did is we spent time really learning what these patients' experience is about. And we came up with a creative campaign that start, said, this is how your journey starts. It's like the needle, the thing coming out of the needle. And now this is where it goes, and it's a pill. And then we um, had patient testimonials. In a situation like that, we said, comments and conversations is risky. Yeah, if you take this thing and somebody else says, all right, I didn't have the ejection, and I know what it is because like, my arm looked like this, or I did this and that, that other patient locks in on that like no ad will do, no, no regular ad will do. And that's how we um, um, marketed it with creative that got to the emotional experience. It wasn't just about here's the product and the data. It was what was really going on. And we encouraged comments and testimonials because they could say what could happen. So you're giving voice to your patients, which then gives more differentiation attention to your brand. And similarly, we take those, I'm going to jump to HPs. We take those patient experiences and we market them to the doctors so they can feel what the difference in their patient will be. So mm -hmm. that's just using the creative and adding in conversations. And we had another one, which ended up on the cutting room floor, but I really liked, which was what you can now do with that bucket that you dispose the needles in. It can be a planter, <laughs> stuff like that. And I could tell you, anybody using this drug in the needles locked in on that because that needle disposal thing is a bane on their existence. And now you suddenly, because you don't have to use it anymore, it becomes a positive element of your home. Right, turn it into a positive. That's yeah. bold, out-of-the-box relation to the patient type marketing that you need to do. Mm -hmm. What was it about the comments that really made pharma fear and that you're able to you know, sort of get around now that makes them feel comfortable, as you said, bringing that patient voice to life through the comments? Was it adverse events, right? It's adverse events. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're regulated. Um, the FDA requires that when an adverse event comes in front of you on your Facebook page, on your Instagram, not anywhere on Twitter, but where you can see it in response to your comments or ads, anything like that, you have to catch it, mark it, track it, and report it through structured channels to the FDA, um, usually within 24 hours. And uh, this is actually how we got into pharma because we're like big on moderation. We're, we've been, we're the highest quality moderation company in the world. We've been doing it for 27 years. Uh, we have all these people for it. We have all this technology, process, expertise, people, and technology. And we can manage that with compliance. And we uh, have tracking models and everything and the way we do it that doesn't, it, it's empowered by technology, but it wouldn't rely on it. You need human judgment for this. So that we can manage for it, we mitigate that risk. So you can have, you can have conversations, you can manage it if you have a moderation and engagement partner who knows how to do it and how to manage it and can scale it. And most companies can't do that. And then the creative, um, going back to that, you have to have people who really understand the need and know how to execute the creative. So the all the regulatory stuff and just what MLR and everybody wants and what the social media networks are doing, you bring that together. And when it changes, which like Facebook just did a bunch of things, changed it again, bang, you're right over it and you can redo it all. Uh, quickly. And the client needs to have confidence that you can do that. And then they're right. Okay.
You gave an example on the consumer side earlier. I want to give some examples on the HCP side, because as we know, they, of course, as you said, have been using social media for professional purposes. How have you been able to get creative with that audience? Yeah, you know, uh, 81% of uh, physicians now use social media for professional purposes. So like 30 or 40% change their treatments, even write prescriptions differently because of what they learned on social media. And this divides into two forms. There's uh, kind of pri- more private doctor or nurse only communities like Sermo or Doximity. We do a lot of work there. But, uh, you know, urologists are loading up um, cancer scans onto Instagram and sharing them and talking about them there too. So there's a lot going on there. So here there's the patient voice ones. But another thing we do is we try to get them peer information or we try to help them break out of the inertia of what they're doing. Remember, doctors are just avalanched by stuff coming from every direction. So uh, what we did is there's one particular specialty drug again, and we created a quiz, an interactive quiz with leaderboards and everything where you could answer questions. And basically, by answering the questions, you found out the answers. They didn't know the answers, but they realized these are questions of what you can do. So we helped pull them out of the inertia of what they're doing and gave them the knowledge they needed to do it. They also like peer information a lot. So you want to have them in peer communities and bring authoritative uh, doctors. We have a chief medical officer, and he'll bring things forward, and we work with the clients to take their knowledge forward in a way that the doctors can do something with it, not just – I mean, you need all this data stuff. You do need it because they're going to want to look at that. But you need to break them out of that situation. And again, patient stories and journeys, how somebody got healed. I mean, these people are in this profession because they want to help people. And if you personalize their patients and the effect these things have, that catches their attention. Mm -hmm. Sure. Make it personal, emotional, uh, not just data-driven. You said earlier, you know, we're talking about the $64,000 question of how you get MLR to be agreeable, to make sure that, that what you're doing is compliant on social media, despite, you know, the, or, you know, even with the comments and conversations involved. But one nagging question that some people might have is, okay, you know, you, you say that you, you know, you're, you're a partner that knows how to monitor these things, but traditionally, historically, pharma has, has, has still been reticent. So how have you been able to kind of get them, these brand managers to get their MLR departments on board and accepting of using social media, given the opportunity for user-generated comments and therefore adverse events and comments? The very first thing you have to do is help the brand marketing people, the marketing people understand to partner with MLR upfront and look at them as a partner to reach the business objectives, not an obstacle at the end. You make it a partnership to achieve the objectives of everybody. The MLR people are trying to mitigate and manage the risk for the company. And when they understand, they understand the marketing people and their partner are there to help them do that, it changes the entire dialogue. Then what we do is we give them examples. We show them work we've done for other people and how we're doing it. Right there, the risk aversion goes way down. Then we show them the process structures and the technology systems we use to do it, and it drops again. And we, we ran into this in legal departments and consumer packaged goods too, almost the same thing. So you have to show them, no, we have structure, we have management, we have a process, we archive everything, it's secure, it can be audited. And when they see that, now all of a sudden, this program is the less risky one because you know, you've got what's going on. So that really... Um, that really helps a lot. And we have a screenshot library that we keep just to show them things like that and other examples. And then another thing that we do is we help them develop their process. It's actually one of our products called Playbooks, where we develop a playbook for the company 
that deals with every social media channel, all the rules of what you do, and we help the company define the process by which MLR stuff for social media is done. So now then, instead of like every brand comes along with a new thing, it's basically reinventing the wheel, we empower every brand to work in a way that is acceptable to MLR. We streamline the process. We make it efficient. Now MLR is very happy because we actually improved the working circumstances of the company and reduced the risk from where they were before. Mm -hmm. It almost makes it seem like, as you said, the less risky option, if, if there could be such a It becomes thing. the less risky option. Right. Do you have any tips or techniques uh, for accelerating the MLR review and approval process? Well, the, the playbook, I, I would call it streamlining more than accelerating, although it does make it happen faster. The playbook <laughs> one is the best one yeah, because uh, that creates a structured, disciplined process that everybody knows ahead of time, including like when uh, an adverse event or a crisis of a different kind comes up, how does it get dealt with it? Everybody knows ahead of time. Then we train people on it, things like that. So you make it faster by educating everybody, putting a structure process in place that streamlines it, makes it efficient. Mm -hmm. Right. Processes and procedures bring the blood pressure down. Uh, what are some of the keys to developing attention, grabbing, and behavior influencing content in social media? Well, that goes back to um, the emotional um, resonance of the patient journey and really understanding what happens and doing your creative in, in the context of the people. And so what you do is you create interesting interactive experiences like quizzes and testimonies and sharing experiences and giving voice to the customers. So you make it an entertaining and engaging experience where you give voice to them in their stories. And again, anybody who has a condition and it's an ongoing chronic condition that affects their lifestyle, this is deeply emotional to them. And if you give voice to that emotion through your creative, then all the other people are going to resonate with it immediately. Mm -hmm. Have you encountered uh, situations where the customer, the client rather, is, is not thrilled you know, with what's coming back in the comments? How do you handle that? Not, assuming not adverse event related, but just kind of like experience, that type of thing. Well, um, we point out to them, this is what your customers are saying. We had a consumer packaged goods guide. He had like their products had some GMO stuff. Which, by the way, most people are somewhere between positive and neutral about, but there's a loud voice that isn't. And um, people are beating them up on their Facebook page. And this VP of marketing is like livid about it. You know, oh. and I said, okay, but they're doing it. And it's not, you know, you, you, they're going to say it. You know, on the internet, you can go anywhere, it's just one click away. So when you get it in your social media, now it's revealed to you. Now you have to decide what you're going to do about it. And this ranges from customer feedback where you, you should learn that like the way you're communicating isn't resonating or there's something about your product or the experience that they're not liking and you should change it. Or it could be activists and antagonists that are organized against you. And there's ways of handling all these different things. So you want to understand it as an extremely valuable insight uh, um, mechanism that can inform you on what you want to do and how to do it. And there's techniques for that. The old PR technique of command and control and shut it down doesn't work. Social media doesn't let you do that. So what you have to do is embrace it, even if they're beating you up on your own page, listen, mitigate, redirect, and sometimes you have the opportunity to flip it. You wanted attention, now you've got it. Depending on what it is, you say, you know, that's really interesting, but it turns out here's what's really going on. Don't argue about it. You get them the information to show you really care. And 
my experience from when I was at Apple, which is an emotional product and working for the biggest brands in the world, the Procter and Gamble and Walmart, and big pharma companies like Pfizer and Abby and Bristol Myers is people care more about, are you listening to them? And are you paying attention to them more than the actual issue that came up? Unless they're like an activist antagonist. There's another methodology I'm dealing with that. Um, so if you give them that attention, you've gone a long way. And if you st they start feeling you're an advocate for them, then they're going to understand that you know, there's always issues. Mm -hmm. Right. There are, aren't there? Um, and that's kind of like you reminded me of the, of the Twitter episode with, with Lily, you know, when someone created a fake Lily account after uh, Elon Musk retired the blue check system. And, and then they did have to take, take their, uh, their handle down uh, or, or pull out of, you know, their, their paid social uh, campaign. So there are times when you need to do a little command and control. <laughs> well, that's triage. Yeah. But, um, you know, there was an opportunity in there, uh, from my point of view, to say, okay, we got a big authenticity and reliability problem going on here, courtesy of Twitter. And, you know, in healthcare, authenticity and facts and science and connecting with people is important. So here we are, the brand, and now we've created this that you can rely on. I would have done that. Uh, right. And that would have gotten that would have gotten right. them a lot more attention, a lot more people to their websites or social, maybe not on Twitter, which you know has authenticity issues, but have gotten a lot more people to their other social channels and website and would have showed that they cared. Yeah. Don't um, don't watch this. Watch this. Yeah. Procter and Gamble was a client for us for many years and uh Pampers is their biggest business. I think it's six to eight billion dollars a year now. Big brand and a bunch of years ago and we were managing their social media for them at the time. They introduced Drymax, first product innovation and their number one product line forever. And then a bunch of moms started blogging about diaper rash. And initially, it was a command and control response for a couple of words. Hey, you can't do that. You can't do that. And then they listened to us. And then it changed into, you know, we love babies. We love babies. We have a lot of information on the product here. And by the way, it doesn't cause these problems and diaper rash is kind of a bad set of words. It doesn't exist. It's something else, but we love babies. And if you're having a problem, it's all we care about. Let's come in and look at it. And they just, every other sentence is we love babies. And they brought these moms in and they did all these different things. To try to sure that you're it. listening to them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they just kept saying, you know, the number one thing is the baby. Let's do baby. And if our product's a problem, it isn't, but if it is, we're going to deal with it. Yeah. So they positioned themselves as really caring about it. And it was yeah. a long haul and a, slug and we had to find surface positive comments because they were getting very depressed by the time the product was released in europe they were ready for it and they came out with like watch out for this it's not our product but this is what happens and lots of things like that uh -huh. Used it as a, so that's as a, a, way, a way to really um uh, take another view and, yeah. and embrace it one last question about platforms if i may we talked about twitter a little bit we didn't talk about facebook instagram but you know tiktok seems to be you know obviously the the hottest platform right now are you seeing a big movement uh, of you know where is pharma with tiktok right now tiktok is really big it has created a very engaging usage pattern which people like and they're seeing other people and things like that it's not all dances lots of different things Healthcare is actually quite big on TikTok and, and rose to prominence during the pandemic where you'd see like hospital staffs just relieving the pressure by doing dances and things like that. There's lots of influencers, nurse influencers and other things there. Pharma's tiptoeing in. Uh, we actually worked with TikTok in the last couple of years for them to develop an API where a third party technology such as ours can moderate it. And uh, you now can. 
There are some things they're still working on, such as geofencing and age demographic fencing uh, in different ways so that uh, the pharma companies could feel comfortable they're following regulatory and what's in front of who, but they're doing that. And you can do some things now. And there's some pharma companies that are, are doing some different things on there. It's very tiptoeing, but I think we're going to see a lot more. And we're really big into TikTok. So um, um, more to come. now that we can moderate it, and <laughs> yeah, I, think, right. I think you can do a lot with it because it's an emotional experience. Each of these things is different. The thing about Instagram when you use it right is you're putting people into the experience that you're having. TikTok is the experience. So um, just have to recognize that. And you're going to see there's a lot of educational stuff going on now that's not from the pharma companies, from doctors and nurses and things, so influencers and people sharing stories. Right. The pharma companies have the wealth of knowledge uh, that everybody needs. And they also have um, the ability to follow it through where you need more. And they have visibility into all the science and many, many more patients. So as they come into it, embrace it, that's going to be real positive impact on healthcare. And then hospitals, when they recover from the pandemic crush, because their, their economics are crushed, they have the structured follow-up. So I think we'll see pharma companies. And then eventually, when the hospitals can you know, get out of the crush they've been in, mm-hmm. a lot of hospital stuff to give, enhance the healthcare journey. Yeah. Somebody. We do right now. We we've done a, a, a dementia community for Mount Sinai, navigating dementia, which is for the adult uh, patients, adult children of of dementia patients, and it's to help them take care of their parents, but it's also to help them take care of their own lives because mm-hmm. it's very hardship when you have a dementia patient. What do you tell your kids? What do you do in your own health? And because Mount Sinai can follow up with a structured path to healthcare, it really makes a difference. So we'll see both there eventually. It's amazing how much uh, younger generations go to TikTok first for healthcare information. And but what I found really interesting was how many HCPs from the younger generation yes. are going there for ed- medical education. That was a really eye-opening. You will see. Uh, you will see um, as the people born after like 1980, you know, in the 80s, 90s, as they've come into the 30s and 40s. Now they start become, They take the social media with them. Because when you grow up with something like that, it's not a fad. It's not a novelty. It's a utility in your life. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've talked to some younger, so 30s to early 40s uh, doctors, and we talk about our vision, what we want to do. And, and I had one. I said, well, if we could make it easy for you to have conversations with your patients continuously. She started to cry. <laughs> She says, I can't treat my current patients as much as I want, let alone take on more because I'm constrained by all these barriers. If you can make this stuff HIPAA compliant and you can give me the structure that I need, you're, you're giving me back why I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody who never really did it. I mean, there's some older people who get into it. But if you know this is the way people experience and live and you're dedicated to healthcare, you're just dying for them to come together. So we'll see that more and more. Yeah, yeah. Well, one final question. I lied earlier when I said it was a final question. Oh, that's okay. uh, this being the A100 Studio Sessions, I got to ask you, what was the last song you listened to? Oh, the last song I listened to was while I was on a, a coming up here on my Instagram was Taylor Swift in concert talking about Mother's Day and her mother and starting to cry. Oh. And the stadium broke out in applause. <laughs> she didn't stop singing. You could just see it. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She's on tour now, right? Everest. From what I hear. Yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of Taylor Swift on my Instagram because uh-huh. I clicked on it. <laughs> yeah. But I like her songs a lot. Yeah, well, there's a reason she's so popular. Okay, well, to that end, I uh, also want to belatedly welcome you to the A100. Oh, and another song yes. by a favorite artist of mine up and coming in New York named Vale Latina. Vale, vale Latina. Latina. Okay. All right. What uh, genre is... Uh, oh, it's a mix uh, of folk and punk and pop. She's got a very unique sound. Okay. Plays around bars and clubs around the city. Okay. Cool. Local, uh, local band. A local, a local band. And a friend. Thanks for giving a plug. I'll okay, tell nice. her I, I plugged her. Yeah, we're going to give them <laughs> a massive exposure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. But well, I did. I did. That was, those were the two in the car. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being honest. Of the tune into those on, on Spotify. And as uh, the agency progresses, new member of the A100, congratulations on that. Uh, as you progress in the mission of uh, helping pharma compliantly participate in social media, I hope we can uh, have another conversation down the road. That'd be great. We're excited to be in the 100 and we're excited to work our way up uh, from the top 100 to the top 50 to the top 10. And we will. All right. They've thrown down the gauntlet. Okay. Uh, that was a great conversation. Come back for another one. This has been Marcus with for Peter Friedman. We'll see you next time. Peter.